Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. So, Jeremy Shaw, alongside me, John Hindorf in the Global Broadcast Centre. Um, I was kind of building that up a bit, but not overly. I mean, I, I'm, there's no hyperball there, unusually for me. Um, this is one of the tightest championships we've had for years. And uh, at the top class, the new top class in GTP, it is all... It is all to play for. It's ridiculous, quite frankly, John. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, great to be here. Um, I mean, look, look, 2,460 points the leaders have coming to this weekend. To have the top three separated by five points is absurd. I mean, you, 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 it could not be any tighter at all. Uh, and even the, and that's three different manufacturers. Yes, good point. You're saying, um, yeah, Cadillac ahead of Acura, ahead of Porsche, five points separating the, the three teams. Uh, and then BMW, you know, they're only uh, 38 behind as well in fourth position. I mean, goodness gracious me, anything can happen. And, and most likely will, because that's been the sort of season that we've had this year. It's been a fantastic season of competition. And uh, super excited now. Fifty, we, we had fifty-four cars on the entry list. Almost thankfully, we've lost a couple since then. Uh, we have fifty-two cars then for this uh, for this event, and uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The two cars that were on the entry list that are not here are number fifty-one Rick Ware Racing LMP2 car. Unfortunately, yeah, Eric Lux, Devlin D, Francesco Pietro Fittipaldi, uh, they're a, a late no show. Uh, and also in LMP3, surprisingly, the Sean Creech Motorsports uh, Ligier of uh, regularly Lance Wilsey and Jar Barbosa not here either. Uh, family issue for Lance. Okay, fine. Which has kept him away. Right, that's a shame because that, that team, they've already confirmed they are going to move up to LMP2 next season. Not only that, just a few days ago, uh, they ran their, their brand new Ligier, Ligier chassis yeah. for the first time. Had uh, Lance on the programme in July on Midweek Motorsports, and he explained the thinking behind it. And look, this, this is a man who saves people's lives in his day job. Yeah. And they've gone through an awful lot of a thought process in there. They will be the only uh, Ligier, we believe, next year in LMP2. Uh, go back and, and look for it. I think it's... I'll, I'll find it and post it anyway. It, it, was, it was really compelling. Um, and we wish Lance and the family, by the way, all the very best. So Jeremy and me in the, uh, in the booth. Uh, let's head down to the pits where our uh, regular is Shea Adam. Hello, Shay. Hello. <laughs> um, Jeremy seeing just how ridiculously tight it is at the top <laughs> of the championship in GTP. And we have got championships won in GTD, but not all of them. We do. Well, GTD is settled. Paul Miller Racing not even needing to start the race because they have an insurmountable gap back to second. So Brian Sellers and Madison Snow claiming their second driver's championship is a pairing. I'm watching the GTD Pro Champions elect. 
because the track conditions right now are not ideal. And I say elect because they need to start the race in order to claim the driver's title for Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnicut. Track conditions not great. What is it they say about Atlanta traffic, that it's kind of bonkers? Uh, well, there's 264 feet per car out on the racetrack, given that we have 52 cars and it's a 2.4-mile track. So the 14 is elected not to go out right now at the start of this session and instead doing driver change practice between the three returning champions of Petit Le Mans GTD Pro last year, Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnicut, and Kyle Kirkwood. But it still has to be noted, we have not had a repeat winner in GTD Pro track-on-track year-on-year. So that's kind of a cool stat to keep going. It's a superstar to keep going. Uh, Nick Damon and Joe Bradley will be joining Shea as our pit reporters uh, over the next few days. And we'll hear from them as we go up. This is a free practice session. Hello to all of you who are tuned in on 98.1 Road Atlanta FM. Once again, thanks to Dave Miller, who has uh, made all the right connections. He's even put a new soundboard in for us uh, when we arrived on Tuesday. It was in the middle of doing that. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Thank you for all your hard work down through uh, the years that we've been coming here. And uh, we'll make a a note now. This is our first broadcast. I'm going to mention this again on Saturday. But very sad news greeted us when we arrived here on Tuesday lunchtime. Literally not even 10 minutes after we'd arrived and started doing some testing uh, we heard that the voice of Road Atlanta and, and more latterly of Road America as well uh, Ed Conway had uh, died on Tuesday lunchtime Ed was pretty much the first person who I met here in 1998 when I came out here as uh, an even more naive and uh, less well formed commentator than I still am and introduced me to Jim Martin, another one of the good ones that we've lost uh, in the last year or so. Uh, Ed, for many people, will have been the voice of sports cars uh, around here for, what, 50 years or so. Uh, died on Tuesday lunchtime, as I say, 86. Our condolences and best wishes to the family and, of course, his many friends, many, many friends across uh, sports car racing and indeed racing in general uh, in this part of the world. Uh, one of the true gentlemen in life, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, gosh, he's, he's somebody always greeted with a smile uh, and, a, and, a, and a fun story. Always. Uh, and just a, 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 you know, a regular guy, just, just a lot of fun and super enthusiastic about sports car racing, well, any racing, but particularly sports car racing. And, yeah, it's, it's such a shame he's not able to be uh, with us anymore. But, look, uh, what a just a... An inspiration to many, many people. And, and this event in particular, yeah. uh, Petit Le Mans, right from the very start, he was here. One of his favourites, I think. Yeah, and I think so. uh, a shame he won't see this one, but we'll remember him on Saturday. So this is the hour and a half long session, Jeremy. And we were talking, I was talking to Philippe Albuquerque, who did some, uh, crunched some numbers about traffic. And he's actually tweeted it out. I think he said if Formula One at uh, Formula One at Cota, which is a longer circuit than this, um, it would have to be over 60 Formula One cars. Now we've had slightly, we've got a slightly different car count now, um, but that 
It is going to be. When we talk our Porsche keys to the race on Saturday morning in the Michelin Countdown to Green, traffic is going to be that. I was talking with Philippe Nazar and Matt Campbell yesterday, and they've just said traffic. They'll have maybe two, three clear laps at the start of the race and off any yellows. Traffic. And patience comes with that. Look, it's going to be mentally very demanding very good point. on Saturday. And you know, physically, uh, two drivers could probably manage this on their own. I mean, uh, but, but, but mentally, probably not. And uh, you, you, you need to uh, give the mind a rest at some stage during that 10-hour uh, race on, uh, on Saturday. And that's the main reason. that you, They don't have to have three drivers in the, in the prototype ranks, but they all have done. Uh, and uh, that, that's the main reason for it. It's you know, a lot of a lot of times, particularly uh, let's let's look at Watkins Glen for example. You know that that's the other round of the Michelin Endurance Cup, along with Daytona and Sebring, the 24 and 12 hour races, the six hours of Watkins Glen, sailing six hours. That's a race where teams often just stick with two drivers because those are the two drivers that are most at tune attuned to the car and the series and the traffic and everything else but here you, you really do need three drivers and they all have three drivers and it's going to be you know, as you say constant traffic all the way through here and you know, patience as you say John is absolutely a key because particularly down through the S's you can't, it's, that's really a one groove racetrack you, you, you can make a pass if if you're, if you're a prototype car ahead of a G, getting ahead of a GT car maybe but it's dodgy and you, you need the full cooperation of the GT car you're passing in order to make, make it clean. The man who's got to be the envy of every single driver in this paddock is Kevin Estra. Because, Kevin, last weekend you were racing in Mount Panorama. Now you're at Road Atlanta. Is there any back-to-back challenging racetracks in the world that could have been added to your list? Yeah, maybe the Nürburgring next weekend would be a tough one. Uh, no, With snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's it's really awesome to uh, to live this life, and I'm very very fortunate to have uh, have done these two racetracks in uh, in two weeks. Um, but yeah, very different car now, very different challenge. Uh, yeah, first time for me with Pfaff, uh, and it's it's gonna be sadly the last time with with them with Porsche uh, for a time at for some time at least. So uh, let's see what we can do. You ran Daytona in this car, a version of this car with a different team. How different is it when you're running a GTD Pro versus GTD? Because the cars are the same. Yeah, well, in the end, the cars are the same. Daytona was the first race uh, for, for the whole paddock with this car. So uh, there was obviously some challenges, very different track as well. Now, you know, the team knows exactly what to do with the car. Klaus and PP are, are very talented and, and, you know, experienced driver. Uh, and the goal is just, you know, win the race, which was the goal also in Daytona. But let's say on a very long, you know, long race, managing also, you know, Alan, uh, which was new to uh, to this kind of racing. So uh, it's different mindset. Now it's more into pure performance, try to do no mistake, execute well and uh, and try to be as fast as possible. In my mind, you won this race in 2021. You don't have the trophy to go with it. So how much more incentive is that to try and get the win this year? I really want it. When, when, the, when Porsche told me that I was doing this race with Puff, knowing, knowing how good the team is, is, is really uh, something, an opportunity which I, I really enjoy to, to have. And um, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't get the trophy, but I felt like, uh, like we did the best job that year. I uh, haven't done the race last year, but so uh, no, I'm very happy to be here this year and, and try to, uh, to get the trophy this time. Good luck this weekend, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. Shea Adam down in the pit lane with Kevin Estra. 
Yeah, I watched the uh, the Bathurst 1000 uh, last weekend. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Kevin was quick. He was annoyed with himself, made a little tiny mistake. Shane Van Gisbergen taking the victory with Richie Stanaway, um, his co-driver in the great race. Here we have one hour and 20 minutes to go. Getting a drier line. It was slick. It was greasy. It was horrid this morning when the Mazdas were out there. But already the running that we've had with this and the VP Racing Championship has uh, has dried airline. It is not full dry. Now, right, Jeremy, what do you reckon? Would you be out on slicks right now? I think you've got, I think you've kind of got to be, haven't you? Yeah, I think probably so. But right now, I think uh, in the two sessions we've had earlier on, you see the MX5 Cup and the VP Racing Challenge. I think everybody was on wets then, but mm. uh, it's getting close now. There's certainly a dry line emerging here through turn 12. I don't want to get off it probably, but uh, no, I think it's, it's a little bit. Warm. Is it a degree or two warmer now? Is it? Was the air temperature? Oh yeah, much more. Yeah, 60, uh, 77 Fahrenheit on the track, 61. It was 54 during the Mazdas yeah, in the yeah. air. Yeah, so uh, that should help uh, build some temperature into tyres. Interesting, in this session now, we're, we're seeing tyres about it, about 10 seconds away from what we uh, will ultimately see, I think. Um, the, the lap record, which, of course, is, is not relevant anymore because we're now in GTP era as opposed to DPI. The DPI lap record was a 108.4. Uh, the fastest lap was a 108.8. It was by, by Felipe Nasser. The pole time last... It went, but actually, back in, in 2020, was the lap record here in Depot. That was Dane Cameron in Acura. The, the uh, pole position last year was a 108.5. That was by Tom Blomquist in Acura. But again, those are DPIs. These are GTPs. But uh, same in the, in the last two sessions, we've seen times around about 10 seconds away from what we'd, what we'd see in the dry. But, uh, you know... Times are going to come down pretty steadily, I would suggest, as this session goes along. Fastest at the moment is Felipe Nasser in colour seven for Porsche Penske Motorsport. Second fastest overall, just four tenths back, is Michael Jensen in the number 11 LMP2 car on the pair of TDS racing orcas in this field. So we've got 10 GTP cars. We've got eight now LMP2s seven LMP3s making their final start in the IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship LMP3s will be consigned only to the VP Racing Series next year and then in uh, GTD Pro the regular five cars have been up to, to eight this week with the addition of a, a couple of Ferraris, one of them the uh, recent competition car, number 61 also the, the 62, excuse me, also number 61 for AF Corsa, and also the Lamborghini for Iron Lynx, number 63 as well. And GTD, the regular for the Michelin Endurance Cup series, which this is the final round, 19 cars in GTD. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Starting to get a better picture of next year as well, and we'll bring you up to date if you haven't been following some of the news, but... Uh, big news! Uh, there's a, I believe there's a Ford announcement coming up. Uh, I think it's today or tomorrow about their driver lineup for GTD Pro for next year. Yeah, is there going to be an announcement of the entire field even this weekend for next year? Because I think it's been pretty much finalised now. 
uh, I believe, I think it's 42 cars for the full season that next year. Uh, I'm, I'm led to believe, speaking to John De Geese at Sportscar 365, that there is actually a waiting list, a reserve yeah. list for the full yeah. season, not just for the big races, for the full season. Sports cars in its pomp. Look, we're, look, we're not wishing away this weekend, but 2024 is going to be absolutely extraordinary in all of the classes. And that, that, what Jeremy's saying there is that is a maximum field for the full season entry, and that is that is driven pun intended, by where which part of the championship goes to race and how many pit stalls that they have and which parts of the championship are racing together. This is a jigsaw of the most ridiculous performance of putting things together. And remember, we've had the announcement at Road America of the schedule for next year and which part of the WeatherTech Championship is racing where... Uh, with which other classes and etc etc and there was a lot of chat about that well now you understand why some of that had to happen the way it is because you simply can't have all the p2 cars and all the gtp cars racing at the same circuits because there would be no room for anybody else you can't at some places have the gtps and the gtd pros uh, racing together because there's not enough space and i'm not just talking about paddock space i'm talking about pit lane and boxes and we're talking about ultimately we're talking about safety in the pit lane at that point two jobs i've always said jeremy that i never want in racing is working in race control and having to make calls the, the other one is doing the schedules doing the calendars no no thank you uh, I'd, I'll be quite happy standing outside in the rain parking cars rather than doing that. Uh, thank yeah. you very much indeed. So now you're beginning to understand all the moving parts that were going together. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more and about some of the driver announcements and team announcements that uh, will be happening this weekend. Some of them have already happened. The Ford one, by the way, is this afternoon. Uh, at, I think it's 4.15 uh, we'll be finding out who's driving. Let's go back down to Sheer Adam who's in the pit lane with one of our perennial uh, contributors to IMSA Racing, both on and off the track, Mark Miller. Mark, you're with Gradient Racing. They won this race and hey, an Acura last year, you're in an Acura this year, uh, you won this race in 2016. So that seems like a pretty good combination. How are you going to help Sheena and Kat by being either useful or staying out of the way this weekend to try and get this Acura back to victory lane? Wow, that's a loaded question. I mean, really, it's like uh, all the things are lined up. We have a team that uh, we know can do it because we did it last year. I was uh, helping up on the box and with driver changes and the integral part in in, in that entire season. Um, happy to be back in the car, in a car that uh, we've done really well this year with, especially, particularly in the long races. Um, it's a green car. And the last time I was in a green car here, we won. So Green and white? It was uh, green and white. The, the Viper with Riley, and it was, uh, it was a really good program. And it really, to, to win here, everyone has to pull their weight, have a really clean race. Last year, every driver did a great job. Every pit stop was flawless, and it really just put us in a – the strategy was great, and it put us in a position in the last couple hours to kind of – um, make some calls that put us right there where we needed to be. We, we have to take that same approach here, but also compared to last year, there's a lot more cars on track. 
the GTP cars are um, struggle a little bit more on cold tires and damp conditions um, initially. There's a lot of prototypes out there which are clearly faster than the GTD cars, but um, there's a lot of mix in the driver uh, driver speed levels in those classes too. So it adds a, an extra element that we've it's on our radar. We have to make sure we're playing that um, either instead of to our detriment, but to our advantage. Well, and that brings up a really good point because does it benefit you guys more when the conditions are warmer and it's easier for the GTPs to get heat into their tires and therefore pass you with more ease? Or does it help you when it's a condition like this where perhaps your car is stronger? I think it's it what that, that old saying like uh, rising tide carries all boats. I think the fact that the conditions are good, the GTP cars um, don't have any issues, then... Uh, that's better for us because we can be more consistent in knowing where they're going to be attempting passes. Where we get into trouble is when they get so confident, overly confident, and everything's so good that they'll just try to pass everywhere, which it's it makes it difficult for the rest of us. So we have to make sure that there's a there's a healthy balance in in driver standards there. And you know, IMSA has done a good job with that you know, several last several races. So we hopefully we can keep that going then. You bring up a good point about the fact that your role has been on the pit box last year and through most of the races this year, but the endurance races have really been when Gradient has thrived. So now when you get the opportunity to get in the car and say to the girls, I know I've been telling you to do this all year, now I'm going to try doing it. Oh, it's a lot harder than I thought been telling you. Does that kind of make everything a little bit more even between the three of you? Well, the good thing is, is I have done a lot of racing this year, which is good, you know, between Super Trofeo with my friend Paul and um, some races in GS and and uh, I spent a lot of time prepping for this on the sim, and um, I haven't been here in this car in a while. I don't know if I've ever driven this car here, but I, she's like an old glove. So, <laughs> like uh, I, every time I get behind the wheel of this car, I feel very confident and comfortable. Um, I've driven this car since 2018, and uh, it's been great. Uh, HPD support has been great, and. I've uh, been good friends with Andres, and he's been a great employer for a very long time. We were just talking. It's been 12 years we've been working together. So I'm ready to get behind the wheel. As soon as I saw it roll off the trailer yesterday, I got all, like, tingly and excited. I'm like, let's let's do this. So I think if everyone carries that same type of positivity into the race, then we'll be fine. Good luck this weekend, Mark. A lot of people cheering for you. Thank you. Mark Miller with Shea Adam down in... The pit lane. Times, as you might imagine, with these changeable and uh, somewhat improving conditions, Jeremy, uh, the times are improving as well as we go through this uh, hour and a half session. Uh, they, uh, they are, but uh, not, 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 not by much. Uh, Mike Rockefeller has uh, just set the fastest time of the session uh, at a 118.418, but that's less than tenth of a second faster than the previous best of Felipe Nasser, so it's the... Uh, Banana Boat, number, number five car for GDC Motorsports, that bright yellow Porsche that is fastest at the moment, ahead of Felipe Nasser's factory car. In third position is now uh, another LMP2 car. Instead of Michael Jensen, it's now Ryan DeYell in the Era Motorsport car number 18. He's turned a 1 minute 18.981, which is precisely uh, eight thousandths of a second quicker than... Um, Michael Jensen, having said that, Ryan's just come past to, to complete his 11th lap, has gone fastest of all. 17.184 for Ryan DL, the Scotsman, as he heading now 
around turn three and four and down through the S's in this Era Motorsport LMP2 car. It's a good lap uh, by Ryan. So he's uh, clearly getting on with the case here. Yeah. Doughty competitor. Always has been. If this is your first time uh, on the grounds of Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, a very warm welcome. Um, whatever the weather is doing. <laughs> and thank you for being with us earlier on in the week. Remember, if your friends can't be here, we'll have the Hall of the Race on Saturday, commercial free on XM207, around the circuit here, 98.1 is Road Atlanta FM. And of course, if none of those work for you, you have still got Radio Show Limited RS2, the home of IMSA Radio as it has been for the last seven years or so and delighted you'll be able to follow all of the sessions uh, throughout the weekend from now on through to Checkered Flag on Saturday and again if, if this is new to you, race day is Saturday, every year I wake up on Sunday morning or I'm on my way to breakfast a late breakfast as it in it, undoubtedly it will be again on Sunday and I checked Twitter or X or whatever it's called today and somebody said I can't seem to find your live coverage of the race uh, sorry to tell you but it was yesterday it, it, is, it has always been Saturday all the way from 1998 and it will be Saturday again it is guaranteed at 10 hours it used to be 1000 miles or 10 hours whichever came quickest not really very useful for TV schedules that uh, difficult for television companies to be able to commit to something where they didn't know where the end was, particularly if they were going to join in for the last hour or so. Oh, sorry, it ended 55 minutes ago. Hmm, okay. Um, so it has, in latter years, become a full 10-hour race. None the worse for that, by the way, as the majority... In fact, that, that was the only one that wasn't, I think. Uh, wasn't a time certain race uh, this this race uh, when it was the thousand miles or ten uh, ten hours whichever came quickest we never got to ten hours in the thousand mile era we got close to it but we never got uh, all the way to it so all of the IMSA schedule time certain races if you want to get in touch with us on the socials it is still at IMSA radio and hello to Alan Space who's listening uh, Ford Mustang Supporter, He'll have something to cheer for next year, both in this championship in Michelin Pilot Challenge and with the new Mustang Single Make Series. I'm very much looking forward to that. That will debut at Mid-Ohio from memory. I really should have printed out the calendar and stuck it on one of the windows here just to make sure that we, uh, we get it all right for you when we're talking about next year but our focus very much on the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship right now here at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta where Mike Rockenfeller is the quickest in GTP but the GTPs at the moment being usurped by three LMPTs Indeed so yeah Michael Jensen took exception to be bettered by Ryan DL so it's the number 11 car TDS Racing Heading up now through turn one, up to the crest of the hill. He's gone fastest of all. 115.936 for the Dane. As he encounters a bit of traffic going down the hill. 
one, that's one of the uh, LMP3 cars there of AWA Motorsports did a good job to uh, steer clear there as, as Jensen was sweeping down the hill but he's faster than 115.936 for Jensen Randy L second fastest 116.693 and Matthew Vazivier in the uh, number 88 car for the uh, AF Corsa team he goes third fastest at a 116.828 then it's the best two of the GTP cars two Porsches still Mike Rockefeller ahead of Felipe Nasser yeah we've got uh, Mikkel Jensen and Jensen Button of course this weekend Jensen yeah. jumping into that JDC Miller Motorsports banana boat he's driven all sorts of different cars over the last seven years but the first time he's driven a downforce car in I believe five or six or seven years it's, it's been quite a long time hasn't it so that was a bit of an eye-opener for him I think when he came here and tested correct a couple of weeks ago yeah that they're, they're quite bullish I was talking to Mike Rottenfeller last night at Hennessy uh, Porsche uh, at the north side of Atlanta putting on a great show Mark and the rest of the guys as ever phenomenal catering um, yesterday evening uh, Mike Rockefeller and uh, Roger Thompson was there as well and had a good chat with them uh, both on and off mic and Roger told the story on the mic of, uh, of Jensen coming here and looking at the steering wheel of the Porsche 963 and yeah okay he was Formula 1 world champion but things have moved on a bit and the I think this uh, four or five thumb wheels on the GTP Porsche's steering wheel, six paddles, uh, four, four rotary, uh, four rotary knobs as well, which are ten-position knobs, and you know a gazillion buttons. Um, <laughs> they gave him the manual for the steering wheel, which is 52 pages long, and he rang Rocky up after 10 pages and said I can't I, I can't get through this even more complicated when he was than when he was in formula 1 so the team have color coded everything for him is what Roger was saying which is great turn the green button to position 4 Jensen and then twiddle the bronze thumb wheel two clicks up and that's basically what they're doing these cars are incredibly sophisticated. But from... Co Roger was telling me last night, from corner to corner, the Porsche is being... And all the GTPs will be the same. Is being adjusted Whoops. all the time. Big off at the top of the hill. Yellow flags for the Chetelar Ferrari number 47, which is damaged to the right rear. It's Antonio Fuoco behind the wheel and was second in the GTD bronze category. Now, that's had some... In fact, actually, that's turn one. It's the top of the hill between... Uh, the run up the hill between turn one and two. I saw a few cars moving slowly. That car's gone around, Jeremy, and the right rear has had heavy impact. Coming through turn one, a little bit too much inside curb. Ah, no. Just got off the dry line. Had a little bit of a wiggle. And then, yeah, halfway up the hill into the concrete barrier there and then rolled over the top of the brow at turn two, which is where it has come 
to rest on driver's left, and that has brought out the first red flag of the 2023 Motul Petit Le Mans. Yeah, an extensive damage to the rear end of that uh, Chetelar Ferrari, no doubt about it. That's uh, exactly what the team doesn't want uh, in uh, first practice session for a long weekend here. And, uh, yeah, that's um, very disappointing for that team. They had uh, some good success in the Michelin Endurance Cup the last couple of years. Uh, this weekend, coming into the points, faced uh, six in points, but only eight behind the Harter Racing team, Aston Martin, that leads the way in the Michelin Endurance Cup for GTD coming to this weekend. They got 29 points. With a total of 15 points up for grabs this weekend. You get... Uh, Points are awarded after four hours, eight hours, and at the end of the ten hours, you get five points for leading each of the classes at that at each of those junctures. Four points for second, three points for third, and then two for fourth. So uh, they um, coming coming in here twenty twenty eight points behind. So they were you no. Know, it it it, it st would still be possible for them to to, to take this championship. Bit, bit unlikely probably, but uh, it is possible. But this is not the way. To start, but the the young Italian there, super fast is Antonio Fuoco, uh, as John Hunter was just saying. Second fastest in GTD in the early stages, bettered only by Catherine Legg, who's fastest of all in the gradient racing Acura. She's turned a 121.8. Fuoco's best a 21.22.1 prior to this off at turn one. So it's all gone quiet. Mm. Gives us an opportunity, though, to talk about some of the driving talent that we have. And our cup runneth over with driving talent in all of the categories. Just a quick look down uh, through the drivers at the moment. Sees Michael Jensen, Ryan DL, Mathieu Vaxvier, Guido van der Garde, Scott McLaughlin, Mike Rockenfeller, Philippe Nasser, uh, Nick Tandy, Renga van der Zander, uh, Connor De Filippi. Recognising some of these names, even if you're not a sports car fan, yes, you are. And that, Jeremy, is what this event, and sports car racing, particularly in the States at the moment, as we've mentioned, is on a real upswing. But this has in, I mean, actually, within two or three years, remarkably, but now at a quarter of a century old, uh, Mutil Petit Le Mans has established itself as one of the big Blue Riband motorsport events in the world. And people from other codes of racing want to come and test themselves here. They do. And you know, Scotty McLaughlin had a, a fabulous time at Daytona. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Came back uh, later then at, uh, at Watkins Glen. Won the race there in LMP2. And, of course, his, his regular season teammate in, in the NTT IndyCar Series for Team Penske, uh, Joseph Newgarden making his debut this weekend in the Porsche. And is with Cher now, with perfect timing, Jeremy. Yeah, I knew you were going to mention him, Jeremy, so I just had to come down and find one of your favourites. Uh, Joseph, you've done some huge races in your time. Petit Le Mans, it's just a little one, right? You know, just a 10-hour endurance race where both your teammates are fighting for the championship. Well, first off, what's it like to drive the Porsche 963? Well, it's a big deal to be here. I've you know, never personally had the opportunity to race at Road Atlanta, so this is a big opportunity for me personally. And obviously for the team, it's a great weekend uh, of, you know, potential, you know, and I, I think uh, the goal for everybody is obviously to try and realize that potential and secure a championship. So I'm excited to be here and, and to join the effort with Porsche Penske Motorsport 
And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely no small feat. You know, it's this is a big event and one I've always dreamed about doing. So just to finally be here is is um, just an amazing opportunity. Well, and it's one of these things that when it comes along, you can't say no. If they call and say, hey, no pressure, you're going to be in one of the cars that can win the championship, you have to go drive it. But how different is it from the Orca that you were running at Daytona, particularly driver changes? Is it a tighter cockpit to get in and out? Uh, it's a little intimidating, you know, even just for experienced people like me. I've got a ton of uh, professional racing experience, but I, I don't have a lot of experience with this type of racing. And, you know, all the intricacies that this sport entails like just getting in and out of the car it, it's it's different than my normal job and so i i'm trying to make sure i've got the details down you know obviously it's a big weekend like you said with both cars in, in potential for the championship so i just want to make sure i can support the team in the best way not put a foot wrong you know i think that's going to be the most critical thing at a track like this and so you know it's two and a half miles and 50 plus cars it's gonna be very concentrated so just just trying to make sure i hit my points and and know all the little details that are different from my normal day-to-day that's you know that's the challenge for me on a weekend like this one of the cool things at least you're a team usa veteran uh, from jeremy shaw's program you got a lot of other guys who have come through that program in the field and even some of the youngsters who are coming up the two scholarship winners are here this weekend so there should be a lot of camaraderie a lot of good people for you to lean on Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, it really starts in house here. I think my teammate um, teammates, you know, Felipe and, and Matt, and even the other boys on the six car, they've been tremendous at trying to get me up to speed. But, but as you mentioned, you know, the Team USA scholarship is very well represented here this weekend, which is great to see. Um, they're really represented globally, I would say. You know, you look at any series, and, and you've probably got some sort of representation from that scholarship. So, tremendous program that Jeremy has put on for so many years. It was an honor for me to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trying to lean on everybody this weekend. Just, you know, ever since we started testing to, to coming here, you know, directly on the weekend, just trying to ask as many questions. I'm being very observant right here, making sure that I can, uh, you know, get everything right from my, my side. Yeah, well, that's why we got you off the pit stand during a red flag, because you're not missing anything at this point. Congrats on the big win in May. Good luck getting a big win in October. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it seems like yesterday that Joseph yeah. was round at my house for a midweek motorsport, having dinner, and who was who was he? The Connor other Daly. it was I was Connor Daly, yes. So uh, they, they've done all right for themselves. Yeah. Those two, two fresh-faced young lads, uh, round uh, at my place for dinner and a, a bit of a chat on midweek motorsport, and. I, I, I think, Jeremy, you chose well. You've chosen very well down through the years, and it's not always just about the speed behind the wheel, because all of uh, all of your team USA graduates, um, every time I see them, they seem to have changed. Not at all since I saw them when they were chosen. If you, if that makes, they still have the same enthusiasm. They still have the same good manners. They still are able to represent themselves uh, and whoever they're driving for in the best possible way. Um, congratulations on what you've achieved down through the years with those yeah. that those uh, that those drivers. Thanks. It's, it's hard to believe. I mean, even Joseph, that was 15 years ago, 2008. Yep. He and Colin went over there and. They both won. won. Uh, jo- Joseph won the Formula Ford Festival. Conor Daly won the Walter Hayes Trophy. And there's two more youngsters trying to, to emulate that feat here this year. There's Jack Sullivan and uh, Ayrton Houck are over there at the moment. They've had a couple of warm-up events. And they're getting ready for the Formula Ford Festival next weekend. I'm looking forward to going to that one myself. I haven't been there for a couple of years. And uh, they've had a, a, a busy couple of weeks. Uh, they were, in addition to a couple of races already, they, were, they visited... Alpine F1 
this week and Haas F1 as well. And many thanks to the uh, mm. F1 teams for being so accommodating and really showing them the ropes there in Formula One. But I mentioned a little while ago that uh, Scotty McLaughlin and, and, and Joseph had a, a great time making their sports car, IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship debuts at Daytona. Uh, McLaughlin, of course, he came back and he went Sebring, he won, not Watkins Glen. Um, uh, but uh, you're back again here for his third race and looking to repeat that, that Sebring success is McLaughlin with the Tower Motorsport team. And he's got to uh, be driving that, sharing that car this weekend with uh, Ari Baylog stepping up from LMP2 for the first time. And Kiffin Simpson, who, have, uh, who has been racing this year in, well, just about everything, but uh, including Indy Next and recently announced he'll be driving for Chip Ganassi racing in the in the NTT IndyCar series for 2024. So nothing, uh, nothing on track at the moment. Different colours for that car. Oh yes, uh, we're still with a little bit of uh, refettling to be done on the concrete blocks uh, and. Our AMR safety team, thank you very much indeed, ladies and gents. We wish you a very quiet weekend. It hasn't started that way. The uh, jaws of life being used slightly differently to try and uh, get one of the concrete blocks back into position. Nothing if, if uh, not creative. Um, you know what the, they say about uh, necessity being the mother of invention. Um, look, it's been a long season for all of our officials, marshals, flaggers, our volunteers at the various circuits. The um, Through the season, whether it's people checking your passes at the gates or uh, helping you park the car, and certainly track services, medical, our AMR safety team, and, of course, our wonderful flaggers and corner workers, been a brilliant season. Thank you very much to each and every one of you. Whether you're here this weekend working this event or you've been part of the IMSA WeatherTech Championship, uh, Sports Car Championship, or any of the IMSA Championships, uh, or indeed any form of motorsport, the simple fact is, of course, that even at the very highest levels, we can't go motor racing uh, without what you give us. And what you give us is your expertise. Uh, you give us your professional attitude, your never-say-die outlook on whatever the weather throws at you, and the most precious gift you can give us, which is your time. So, ladies and gentlemen, we salute you all uh, here this weekend or further afield. Uh, and I know there'll be plenty of people back in Europe who are getting ready for a busy motorsport weekend listening to these early sessions as well. So around the world, uh, whether you wear white or orange or any other colour, if you're helping the fabric of motorsport, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. So coming down just under 49 minutes on 49 minutes to go. We've got the forklift out there. And that's pretty good work by everybody concerned. I think there's a little bit of nudging and nerdling needs to be done on those concrete blocks. Now, that gives you an idea, Jeremy, at this sort of, of force that that Chetelar car imparted on those blocks to have moved those blocks. Um, they're not a long way off the side of the track there, and in fairness, the track will be very wet, so uh, Antonio Fogel would not have slowed down once he disappeared off to stage left there. 
But yeah. uh, that is, uh, that's been quite a big hit, and, and that's going to be a lot of work for Chetelar on a car, of course, that has gearbox and engine all mid to back of the car. Indeed. And, you know, he missed the tyre barrier there and uh, collected the concrete, and that uh, tends to do a lot more damage than the tyre barriers, which do an amazing job of uh, arresting a lot of the energy, dissipating a lot of the energy. But, yeah, that was a hefty impact there, there for, for Oko. He only just missed the tyres. Well, that's annoying. But uh, he hit it pretty much square on backwards as the car was sort of sliding across it. To sort of Don't like the look of no, that. No, it's a lot of damage, particularly that uh, left, uh, the right rear corner, but uh, I think all the way across the rear end of that car. Look, bodywork damage is one thing, and Joe Bradley, who has uh, plenty of experience of being a team manager in British touring cars, among other things. If the wheels are all pointing the, wrong, the right direction, good. If they're not... Bad, very bad. Uh, let's bring in another voice as uh, Sheer Adam is taking a break from our pit lane for the moment and say good morning to Nick Damon at, uh, what is it, half past, just after half past ten here at Road Atlanta, just after half three in the UK and half four in Central Europe. Your favourite race of the year, uh, uh, Nick Damon. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I love a bit of Road Atlanta. I mean, in, in fairness, it needs to be three or four degrees warmer. I'm regretting my two-layer option for this uh, first session. <laughs> But, uh, no, it's fabulous. Just love this place. Love everything about it. Love the pits. Love the paddock. I love the air. I even love the free suites in the uh, media centre. Shall I give you a Le Mans winner? Yes. James Collado. James, I mean, you were here last year and you were just a, you know, just a GTE driver. Now you're a Le Mans winner. I mean, how, explain how that year has changed. What's that year been like for you? Uh, it's been crazy. I mean, um, honestly, uh, Le Mans was, uh, it was amazing and uh, we, we did a great job to, to, to get the win. But I think uh, I'm very proud of Ferrari and the team overall because we've had a great year. We've been competing at the front with the Toyotas and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're here now for my uh, fourth Pitti Le Mans. And, uh, yeah, last year we were a bit unlucky with the, the driving time. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do this time with, uh, obviously, a different car. Well, we have gone back to green. Now, everyone, of course, asks you at the beginning of the year, how are you, how are you making that ad adaptation to a full, you know, hypercar? So I'm going to ask you that reverse. How is it like going back to a GT3 machine or GTD machine? Yeah, I mean, it's the first time I've driven a GT pretty much all year. So um, it was nice to get back in because it brings back a lot of memories. Uh, although it's a different car, it still feels familiar. Um, but, yeah, they are very different. But I think with the amount of laps that we do, uh, testing-wise, you, you kind of get used to it. And, uh, obviously, we t take a lot of margin in these conditions. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice to be back in a different category and, uh, you know, fighting with these amazing uh, drivers and manufacturers. Does driving the fastest car give you a better idea now you're in the slowest car? Uh, not really. It's, it's, um, they're, they're, they're both completely different. Um, Sorry, especially with regard to traffic. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of second nature. I did GT for so many years. I'm so used to it. Of course, uh, I need to take a little bit of margin for the for maybe the first uh, few laps in the race. But even then, uh, you know, it was nice to, to be overtaken again and uh, to try and manage that and to try and be efficient with the traffic. But, um, no, it's, it's good. And uh, hopefully one day we can get the, uh, the big car up in this championship. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it we, we know there is going to be uh, a Le Mans hybrid car here in 25. The Aston Martin Valkyrie announced, and they've got an entry, we believe, into both IMSA and to uh, WEC. Do you know what Ferrari's plans are, perhaps, to come to the States, even for the Blue Red Band races? Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's a good question for the boss, but um, I think for now, uh, our main focus is on WEC. Um, it would be nice to do IMSA because the, the racing is so, so close and, and so amazing, but... I think as a general with both championships, 
what an era of sports cars to be in. Uh, these cars are fantastic. It's, it's close racing. Uh, it's a lot cheaper than it has been in the past as well, which attracts all the manufacturers. So um, I'm very proud to be part of it. And, um, you know, fingers crossed, uh, you know, we, we can come to here and, uh, and go for outright wins. James, thank you. And congratulations on being a Le Mans winner. Thank you, mate. Nice pick up from uh, Nick Damon for his first interview of this 26th running of Motul Petit Le Mans. Can't, uh, can't tell you how excited Nick and Joe have been uh, in all the conversations that we've had. coming about. Joe hasn't been here for Petit for quite some time, I think probably over 10 years. So he, this is the first time he's seen the new building. 2005 or six, he told me. Yeah, was. I think I so. I think he was here for 10. He was here, he was here in 2010, but yeah. not working. Yeah, and he... Uh, so he's not seen the new, the beautiful new Michelin building that we are in and have been for a few years now. But the event, I mean, the glorious thing about this event is that in general terms, that first event back in 1998 which is my first time working in US sports cars. Um, the character of the event hasn't really changed. The infrastructure at the track has been upgraded. The cars have changed. The cars have got quicker. The fields have probably got a bit deeper, I think it's fair to say, in terms of the quality of the entries and the drivers. Uh, the international quotient has always been there. And... The unpredictability, Jeremy, of this Motul Petit Le Mans, that has certainly not changed down through the years. And it is one of the draws, of course. It, it is, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, it's, it's really intense racing. Uh, and you know, the, the, uh, the, the depth in the field certainly is considerably better now than it was back in uh, the late 90s. Uh, because now, I mean, there isn't a car really in this entire field don't think that you would say doesn't have a chance of winning a race a legitimate yeah. chance of winning a yeah. race if all goes well uh, you certainly couldn't say that back then uh, but uh, you know it's it, it has been it, it established itself very quickly it was a bit of a, a stab in the dark wasn't it initially for Dr Don Panos when he first uh, mooted the idea for this event but boy it took off very very quickly and it wasn't long before it was regarded as one of the premier sports car races in the world and uh, and it's just be, it continued to build that legacy over the years. Last year was the 25th, and uh, you know it's and this this year there's so much interest in sports car racing in general. Uh, I believe ticket sales, advanced ticket sales are, are almost 30 percent more. I believe it's 30, 20 or 30, which whichever is impressive than last than the previous record. Fantastic. Once again this year, um, the RV sites, the camping sites, uh, were sold out pretty much immediately um, it is becoming it has become a global sensation um, there were some years in the early years particularly that it wasn't particularly well known around these parts believe it or not that's not the case anymore now the uh, receptionist at our holiday inn is coming here on Saturday Ty um, I'm not sure if he'll be listening in now because I think he's on the day shift but uh, he was brilliant last night and talking to people down in Atlanta over the last few days and even as far up north as uh, Nashville 
where I was at the weekend. Global Motorsports. Hello, Justin and everybody up there. With their F1 watch party on Sunday morning. Went there expecting to talk about Formula One. They've got a couple of RB7 Formula One cars there that are getting ready to do a demonstration in, uh, in Nashville this weekend on the streets. So put my F1 chip in and ended up, before the race started, talking to a whole load of sports car fans who are coming down at the weekend. It has just grown into something quite extraordinary, this race. Pretty good the first year, to be quite honest. I think we ran three and a half or four hours in 1998 without a, without a caution in the first year. She won't remember because she was still in grade school. She had just got into year two. Yeah. Not helping, Cher. Not helping. Not helping your job prospects with us for next year. That. What a shame. <laughs> so, in the last 40 minutes, we've been delayed, or at least we've lost some time. Tony Fuoco hitting the wall at turn one, up between turn one and t turn two, actually, with the blue Chetelar Ferrari, which he's going to need quite a bit of work. Nick Damon is down in the pit lane. I'm sure he'll be scouting that one for us. Everyone else cycling through at the moment, Jeremy? Yeah, and we're finally now getting some GTP cars up to speed. Uh, when we had that interruption, there were five LMP2 cars leading the way in terms of the timing charts here. Well, since then, Conor Di Filippi in calibre 25, one of the two BMW MRLL hybrid entries, gone to the top. A 113.597 for the American driver. Uh, he's going faster again. Is he, no, it was improvement last one. Yeah, going faster again through sector one. Uh, he's got about, about eight tenths of a second over best of the LP2 cars. That was the number 11 car, the time set by Mikkel Jensen. Scott Huffaker at the wheel of that car at the moment. Also moving up through the ranks up into sixth position overall. Renge van der Zander in number 01 Cadillac and a 117.1. So still three and a half seconds behind Di Filippi, who's really the only GTP car so far to really put in some quick laps huge field this weekend and of course it's in terms of LMP3 is the end of their era in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship the cars continue with that glorious edge oh big off Whoops. at the exit of turn number five a whole gaggle of cars and the car that's gone onto the grass and a huge slide for the white stripe number six of the Porsche Penske motorsport team that's an outlap for Lawrence Vanto added to the squad this weekend look I mean we're all season long we've been talking tires. about the fact cold tyres and cold track and cool temperatures so it's you know, it takes several laps to get these, oh, these missions up to up I to thought speed he, I thought he was avoiding other cars he was just getting on yeah. the power out of turn five little damp patch in those cool tyres that you were talking about there yeah. that's actually a heck of a save yeah. uh, and look it wasn't coming directly out of the corner it was several hundred yards yes. out of the corner so exactly. just accelerating up through the gears spun up the rear wheels snapped sideways on him and a, and a really good save there by uh, by Lawrence in the end but you know, it's, it's look how slow he is through yeah. the S's when he's come out the pits. There's P2 cars, there's GTD cars. Yeah. He's tiptoeing through turn five. No front grip at all. He yeah. stays off the curbs. He's 
maybe just caught the white line, but I'm not even sure about that, if I'm honest. How he kept that out of the wall, that is absolutely outstanding. Sometimes you've got to learn to do very little in a race car. That wasn't one of those times. He was putting steering input in because that car was not going where Lawrence Vanto wanted it to. Over the top of the brow, just gets on the throttle. Might have just had the right rear Michelin on the white line, but that, that's marginal. But what happened after that was all skill. Yeah, yeah, wow. good save. Yeah, it could easily have swapped ends on him. And, uh, yeah, it was a very scary moment for, uh, for Lawrence there. Of course, you know, this is his first time in the car this season here in the Interwear Tech Sports Car Championship. Driven the car in the, in the WEC, of course, but uh, not in IMSA and uh, slightly different specifications but again it just shows how difficult it is to get these tyres up to temperature and that is going to be a major issue well, in the race on Saturday because you know, at every pit stop no tyre warmers of course in the IMSA Wetech Sports Car Championship unlike they do have tyre warmers still in wet don't they John? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so but for, some of the, for some of the races yeah they've been trying to get rid of them but yeah, yes. Yeah they've been trying to but uh, I love the fact that they don't have tyre warmers well, because it is. It puts all the all the emphasis on the driver. Having said that, it's really tricky. This new breed of Michelin tyres that are more durable and more eco-friendly than in the past. They don't have the grip that the old ones do, particularly until they're properly up to temperature. Talking to some of the Porsche drivers, I've been doing some um, Porsche events over the last few days before heading to the booth, and. Uh, Philippe Nasser was, tell Nasser was telling me that they, that they are still... They, he still thinks this is a tyre-limited race rather than a fuel-limited race. So the option to leave tyres on and keep the heat in the tyres during the race is there to a point, but only to a point because you've got that balance of the the tyre performance coming to the end against putting cold tyres on. If that's trickling out the pits... At that pace, you are he's going to favour people who can leave tyres on, if that's what we're going to see at the weekend. Uh, Nick Damon, down in the pit lane. Where have you sashayed down to, Nick? Well, I'm not in the pit lane. Uh, I am in the paddock with the 47, Chetelov Ferrari 296, as they uh, review the damage. Good news, front of the car, absolutely <laughs> fine. I could have told you that, in fairness. Uh, back of the car. Well, they made the most of that, of the, of course, the prototypeness of the new 296 and just whipped off the rear deck, uh, which takes off the rear wing and the back of the car and the back of the uh, uh, exhaust as well. So that's come off, and they are now uh, working hard on the rear right. And in fairness, I mean, it looks like it is an unscrew and rescrew. I'm looking at the mounting points again, which is a metal subframe. There's no carbon subframe like you'd see in a prototype car. And they are effectively just having to replace lots and lots of pieces. I'm not seeing anything that would take them out of the race, to be honest. Um, really? No, no. I mean, it's... it's wow. uh, there's a man that... Oh, they, they're, they're taking pictures of the, the anti-roll... Oh, the anti-roll bar mount on the uh, right-hand side. They're taking pictures of that because that is... Uh, beneath it is cracked. Now, it's a kind of... A, it's, a, it's a very big... The actual rear subframe, or rear, rear subframe, the huge metal extruded part and I think they're going to have to replace that because it's also crushed on the right hand side as well but looking now at the, the incredibly expensive Olin's damper they're about to take off and it's completely unharmed so um, drive shafts and gearbox casing and things uh, like that because that, that yeah, right well, hand side yeah. at the rear that, that took a hefty crunch 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the fact is you can't really tell the gearbox. Um, well, the differential outdrives are right inside. Obviously, they've, as you say, they've they've broken both the top and the bottom wishbone. So that that is, it, but that may have saved more oomph into the uh, drive shaft into the sorry, drive shaft no, but into the uh, gearbox itself. But they are, yeah. It's a big metally rear subframe. I'm not sure that's the necessary something you carry as a spare. Obviously, you'll carry spares in the rear deck and everything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's yeah. I mean, it might be an issue for second practice but I think that if they've got the parts it does very much seem to me and this isn't a layman's term but with the fantastic um, uh, access you get with the new 296 concept it does seem like a, a very very expensive unscrewing and rescrewing job okay uh, engine and gearbox still my worry there uh, thank you Nick in the back of the paddock for that report at the heart of the action as always Thanks to all of our pit lane reporters here, our principal pit lane report for the whole season, but for some of the longer race, of course, Daytona here. Uh, we've had assistance through the season. And uh, I'll say this now, I I'm sure I will remember to say it before the end of the, the weekend, but in all of our classes, especially in the Imsen Weather Tech Sports Car Championship, it's a massive thank you to the teams, to the PRs, to the drivers, to the engineers, to the tyre uh, engineers as well, tyre specialists, for allowing us to wander through, to have a look, to poke our nose in, to ask the question when quite often it's the worst time for them and they'll still say, well, we broke a diff or the gearbox is gone. You know, it, it, we are so fortunate to work in a paddock that is so open and so generous with their time and their information. So that's one of the things that allows us to get the, the word to you because we're getting it directly from the team. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of that this year. And that has been, again, as far as Petit Le Mans and the IMSA Championships down through the years and the old LMS days and right up to now, that has been something that's not changed either that we do get that information and uh, it's a brilliant part of what we have going here under half an hour to go now Jeremy and the pace picking up again I can see some more light colours on the timing screen in front of you from our colleagues at Alcamel that's available on the web of course if you search, don't have to search very very hard to get that so that suggests to me that that drying process I've got to say I this is quicker than I anticipated when I was watching the Mazdas this morning at just after eight o'clock yeah we were down the fastest time is now down to a, a one minute 12.614 for Conor Filippi and at the 25 BMW still leads the way Renga van der Zander into second position uh, almost half a second behind 113.1 for the number 01 Cadillac Second of the BMWs, Philip Eng has turned a 113.6 to be third fastest. And then Mike Rockenfeller into fourth. And number five, JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche at a 113.7. Then it's the best of the LMP2 cars, which is now the uh, crowd strike by APR. Number 04, Ben Hanley has gone to the top of the uh, LMP2 ranks. Fifth fastest overall at a 113.9. Still got several of the uh, 
GTP cars that haven't yet sent a representative lap, but both of the Acuras were languishing somewhat down. One of them still is, number 10 cars, still only turned nine laps in the session compared to the 24 of Mike Rockefeller. Uh, the other Acura, number 60 car, it's been a final race for that Maya Shank team, EMS Wet Exports Car Championship. Bizarre decision that by Acura, I think. Uh, but uh, Brunkist is now getting that car up to speed. Just went to his best lap last time around, a 114.09 in that car number 60 that's seventh fastest overall sixth fastest overall excuse me Sheer Adam has come into the relative warm of our global broadcast centre and a red flag immediately 38 the performance tech car has been in the wall or has had some kind of contact and that is the left front this in a very fetching blue and purple and black colourway this year Jonathan Walridge behind the wheel young Canadian driver was that an outlap by any chance nope right okay uh, some of that car has been left up at turn three so we'll pale people in shit it was partic- it was almost still dark this morning at just after eight o'clock when we waved out the uh, Edemic 2 Mazda MX-5 cars and it was it was wet it was greasy and, and you've been out there it isn't warm warm it is to the point where even Joe Bradley said something about the lack of warmth in the atmosphere. And, ooh, that was actually contact on the back of the number six, Penske Porsche. Oh. That's slightly awkward. Well, I saw that Penske Porsche moving slowly as well, the Porsche Penske Motorsport machine. So what happened here? Yeah, bit of yeah, bit of a moment between... That uh, performance tech car. So that's the that was the the Penske Porsche was on an outlap. That's Lawrence Vantor on his outlap again, moving very slowly through turns two and three there, Jeremy, and got picked up by the performance tech cars that came over the top of the brow. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, there were two. There were a couple of LMP3 cars there in close proximity. Yep, it's yeah, exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah. Misjudgment by Jonathan. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he would for sure have expected the Porsche to accelerate away from him. But that's another outlap for yeah. Vanto, you see. Yeah. And this is, I mean, look. Ulrich, this of course, making his Ibsen World Tech Sports Hard debut yeah. this yeah. weekend. He's done a couple of races in the VP Racing Challenge Series in the LMP3 car. So familiar with the car. And the not, team. And, yeah, but, but not with the... Uh, with the traffic, the, you know, with different differential speeds, oh yeah. he wouldn't have he just wouldn't have expected GTP car to be going so slowly. Uh, that was damage to the right rear then of the Porsche Penske Motorsport number six car, the car with the white rear uh, fin and the white, the Salzburg style car, like the car that was their first Le Mans winner in 1970, the number 23, uh, with the Porsche Salzburg uh, livery. Uh, yeah, just coming through turn three and. Lawrence trying to sort of well, stay offline. Well, he's but not really, to be fair. I mean, he could have been a lot further left true. if he's going that slowly, to be honest. If this is what this is like in free practice one, Jeremy, when there's <laughs> nothing on the line, what is it going to be like coming out of the pitch? You come out of the pitch here uh, on driver's right into basically the apex of turn yeah. two. You're coming up the right-hand side. And... At some stage, you've got to try and get out of the way, swap sides or whatever you're going to do there. Obviously, if you're coming out the pitch, you're trying to get your tyres up to to temperature and pressure. You're trying to stay off the marbles. 
um, this is this is for me. This is going to be an interesting talking point throughout the rest of the sessions today, heading into the the race tomorrow. And we haven't done any darkness running yet. That's later on this evening, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be really tricky. Uh, sorry, no Saturday question. for the race. Yes. Yeah, night practice tonight. Yeah, my favourite session. Oh, night practice it. here. Always has been. Um, I, I, there's something about it. We uh, we starting a wee bit. Are we starting a wee bit earlier this year on Saturday? Is it ten thirty green flag? Ten forty green flag. Oh, uh, eleven forty. Yeah, eleven. Eleven forty to nine forty. Okay. Yep. So still plenty of uh, of darkness running. Three uh, hours. Mm. Official darkness has been declared for seven thirty. Okay. Uh, so two hours. So we'll have a wee bit of uh, darkness running tonight so that everybody gets up to speed. Uh, hard-working crews going back to work. That's going to need a flatbed to get that performance tech car through. Lawrence Fanta is now saying, oh, come to Road Atlanta, they said. You'll have fun in the 963, they said. He's done two outlaps and had two major incidents, avoided contact on the first one, and then has got banged up the right rear in the other. And Joseph Newgarden will be looking at that thinking, oh, crikey, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah. Both of those uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport cars, the six and the seven, in with a chance of the, the driver's mm-hmm. champion. The six car share in a slightly better shape with uh, a couple of wins uh, to their credit. The seven car with a win. Yep. Um, four times this season, the Porsche Penske Motorsport cars have seen the chequered flag first. But, of course, they lost the victory at the Glen for a... Uh, an underfloor plank uh, uh, infraction, uh, which on investigation seems to have been from uh, some tyre debris punching through the floor <laughs> and uh, aerodynamically pushing the floor closer to the ground and taking out a couple of millimetres more than it needed to. Uh, nothing on the track. Nick Damon in his element will interview everybody now in the pit lane. Where are you? Well, actually, I'm uh, more doing the, uh, you know, the CSI uh, pit lane sort of stuff, having a look and see what's going on. So having, I'm in the Porsche pits and there's a, uh, having a look at what's happened to the six. Uh, obviously, the rear decks come off immediately. They've had a good old check around on the rear suspension, rear brakes. It looks like they're happy with that. They have um, got already got a, patch, got a patched up version, a cracked version of the rear deck. So they probably will leave that on. So the, if you look at the, the rear wheel arch on the right-hand side where the, uh, the aero hole is cut out, it's, uh, it's bent and it's split and it looks like it's been... Uh, uh, it looks like a very badly um, resprayed 1974 Vauxhall Cavalier, to be honest. Uh, they're going to then stick on the rear deck again and uh, they're probably going to go with that because they're going to take the whole thing. I know they don't. They've had enough. It's, it's too broken. They are thinking of taking the whole deck off and not just putting the new rear, rear wing in, but they are obviously waiting at this point to work out what's going on. Nick? Yeah. Uh, is Lawrence Van Ter- I saw Lawrence get out of the car. Is he getting back in? I don't know. He's taking the car off. Because uh, it's um, very compact around here. I can see Lawrence, but it's going to be... It's going to be a bit of a, a job here to, uh, to walk around, and you have to go from one side to the other side. Uh, and hopefully Lawrence will talk to us. He's a lovely man normally, so it shouldn't be a problem. But I have to kind of, it's, it's, as you can tell, it's very, very compacted. The navigation of the pit lane is, um, oh, he's disappeared. I've lost him already. They're too quick, these drivers. Too quick. They just le- leap off in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment. You give them half a second. But uh, in the car now, uh, Nick, actually. Just seen the helmet from here. Uh, so Lawrence has decided... Yeah, I've done two outlaps. I've had enough. We go back to green with 21 <laughs> minutes to go. We'll leave Nick to patrol the Porsche Penske Motorsport pits. Uh, Matt Jaminier 
getting in the car. Look, it's your car, Mathieu. You drive it. Yep. Uh, let's uh, go back to Nick, who has found Lawrence Vanzer. Uh, Lawrence, this um, hasn't been the, the greatest uh, first half an hour for you. No, not really. Uh, I had better starts of the weekend. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes this is what it is. Just trying to stay cool. These things happen. Uh, first time was on me. Uh, just got caught out a bit. Trying to get actually out of the way of traffic. And fuck myself. Sorry for the language. Um, and the second one, I don't know what happened there. I just got it from behind. So it's obviously tricky conditions. So these these cars on cold tires in those conditions is is very very difficult. Um, and with so, so many cars, it's yeah, it's a bit of a hard hard place to be. Cracking save at turn five, though. You know, I take it um, your heart was in your mouth at that one. Yeah, I mean, grass wet doesn't help, but the board was a little bit too early. But uh, yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, that hasn't happened to me this year. Was first time, so everything comes a bit together. Hopefully, that was my part of uh, of the drama for the weekend, and uh, now we can start to go on. How much pressure are you feeling coming into a team that's still got an outside chance in the overall championship? Um, close to zero, to be honest. Um, doesn't show it if you <laughs> watch the first <laughs> session, but I'm used to it. I did it in, in WEC in the '92 car where we won Le Mans together, where they won the world championship together. Um, it's the same thing, you know. I, I know my role. Uh, I need to to be there to support them, uh, to give them the car in one piece in the middle of the race, uh, for them to to do the magic, and be there in a supportive role. And um, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm aware of that, and uh, I'm going into the weekend as well like that, trying to help them and and then help win them the championship. We've seen massive improvements in all the LMDH cars, specifically the, the Porsche, the Porsche which looked out of it in many ways, sorry, at Le Mans, but suddenly you've come on strong. What changed after June? Well, I think, like you said, at Le Mans. Le Mans was a kind of a realization that uh, we were not where we were supposed to be. Um, before that, maybe people were still hoping that you know things would change, but we got like a reality slap in the face in Le Mans, and after that, a lot of things got started, uh, tried to improve in a lot of areas, uh, on every area on, on the car, the team, drivers as well and uh, I think for the summer break we we slowly started to see those improvements and it's, I think it starts to show off now Is that physical new parts on the car or just better understanding and better setup? Well, You can't really put new parts on the car due to the obligation, it's just understanding the car uh, and it's always a bit the case with the new car, you know, it never development never goes perfect especially with these cars you know with the hybrid and everything it was a lot of new stuff a lot of issues in the beginning with that so it hindered us a bit in, in development and uh, after that you know you start you need to understand the weaknesses of the car and work around that and improve those and i think that's what we're what we're doing thanks Lawrence, and uh, hopefully your next lap bit cleaner <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure of it and again apologies for the language from Lawrence there 17 and a half minutes to go. And we, we finally have all 52 cars now on, oh, out on the racetrack. The number, right. number one car already uh, clinched the GCD Championship. Paul Miller Racing BMW did a couple of installation laps early on, but hadn't turned a, a representative lap. But uh, Madison Snow is now at the wheel of that car. He's got himself a, a time on the board. The, uh, the, other, the car we haven't seen, though, other than just one lap early on, is number 74, Yes. Uh, Riley Motorsports Ligier. And I can elaborate on that, Jeremy, because that car needs to start the race in order to win it. Bill Riley brought his organization out to test here a couple weeks ago at the Apex Test Day. They ran the primary car and a backup car, and there was a very large crash 
for the primary car. So now they are running the backup car, but they don't have that safety blanket. So they're going to be running as little as they can before the race, trying to do the bare minimum to get guard across the start finish, well, the start line to take the green flag and thus the championship. And then they'll go for the race from there. But, Th their priority is to win the championship, sure, not to get practice laps but in. Surely they want, they want to make sure the car's working. But, what but it, it's the same thing as what the one just did. They didn't see any point in running when the track wasn't in a good enough condition to be out there on the circuit. Bill Riley's a smart guy. He knows how to win championships. Yeah. So who, who crashed the car? Where was the crack? Uh, crash was in turn one, not with one of their current drivers. Oops. So they've only got to start the race to win the championship. They need to cross that line right in front of us outside of the booth. Gar needs to, well, not Gar, but the car needs to cross it to begin the race. It most likely will be Gar qualifying the car because that's been their prerogative all year. If that car crosses start-finish, Gar is untouchable as far as the LMP3 championship is concerned. It's the exact same scenario for the 14 Lexus. And they actually, I was talking to some of their drivers last night. They were saying they weren't going to run a lot in risky situations, for example, yeah. morning warm-up, because yeah. then you put yourself at risk. And Ben Barnick had actually said it'll be the most nervous he's ever been for a formation lap, whether he's <laughs> driving or sitting on the box, because if they don't get to that line, they score zero points. Yeah. They have enough of a buffer that they it doesn't matter where they finish, they'll still clinch the championship, but they need the starting points. And you may be thinking, dear listener, what are they talking about? They're never not going to get to the start line. Uh, I give you... Laguna uh, Seca 2018. Absolutely. Always comes to my mind. Crash leading to the start line and... Philippe Albuquerque and Joao Robosa lost, lost the, championship the championship in right that there. moment. They were about... 30 what? points out, I think, at the time. They and were close. And 100 metres away from getting the race started, yeah. if that. And so it can happen minimizing the risk yeah all right if it it's we've got plenty of other practice sessions we've got another hour or so this afternoon um then we've got qualifying then we've got night practice as well if it's dry i expect to see both of those cars that you've mentioned okay. out there turning laps but not for the entirety of night practice no. minimum time will be spent in night practice i would imagine by the number 74 that's the riley lmp3 they'll get everybody their night laps they'll make sure everybody is comfortable with where the headlights are pointing and then they'll put her away for the night. And that just shows you how confident they are in the car. All the, well, that's true. All the experience they gained with that over the last several years with that car. You know, they, they know how to win. They know the car is good. Uh, a backup car is as, you know, as good as a, you know, the primary car they've been used up until now. So they're yeah, perfectly comfortable because, of course, it's not just the, the overall championship they're aiming for. They're also very much in contention to win the Michelin Endurance Cup as well. They're writing... Yep in the thick of that one so you know, the, the, it's not as if they're not going to be taking it seriously <laughs> it's not a start and park oh no it's no. no 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 and race from there I'm sure you know, he will qualify he will want to qualify uh, as far toward the front as he can because he's a racing driver exactly Gar and Felipe winning the race in 2021 and being joined this year by Josh Burden who won the race last year the fastest time here now it's Tom Blomquist in the Acura <laughs> Uh, they were late out, getting themselves up to speed, but now it's the uh, number 60 car that's gone fastest. What to prove in this session, I think, for Maya Shank Racing. Uh, and uh, he had turned a, a 1 minute uh, 12.521. Tom Blomqvist yesterday, Jeremy, at Indianapolis doing his rookie laps. Yeah, there you go. And talking of Indianapolis, he's just put, put that car into the pits and handed over to Elio Castro Levin, <laughs> four-time Indianapolis 500 winner. Uh. Yeah. And, and pretty handy in a sports car as well, yeah. actually. I'm yeah. 
two-time winner here. Here, yeah, yeah. Couple of couple of more under his uh, under his belt. So coming down to the last 13 minutes with a track that ostensibly is dry. There's one or two wee wet patches. Uh, little looking in some of the uh, the joints in the tarmac, but uh, this is now dry tyre running. Um, if you weren't with us earlier, first of all, why not? Do you have a note for being late? That's um, a forged note. Come on, give us a real one. Yeah, that's, yeah that is not your mum's signature. We know that. Uh, Sean Creech not here. Lance Wilsey with uh, a family issue that he had to deal with, and we wish the Wilsey family and Dr. Lance the very best. And who else did we lose here? We lost... Uh, who? The Rickware Racing LMP2. That was the collarbone. Uh, no. Who was the collarbone? Collarbone. Alan Br- Metney. Alan Metney for the uh, uh, for the Kelly Moss yeah. uh, car. Oh yes, yeah. the ninety-one. The ninety-one. Uh, they're not here this weekend. That he was, was a. He wasn't on the entry list. No. But number fifty-one and number thirty cars were. Yeah. Do so. You, do, you, do you know why? Uh, why the fifty-one car isn't here? No. So, not quite the full entry that we were talking about. That's okay. More than enough. Uh, yeah. 52 yes. cars is a very busy track. What's the most we've... St- 51. We st- we, so, that it would still be a record start if we get all of these to the start. Yes. Our records are... <clears throat> <laughs> uh, 51 cars in 2014 where we were under caution for 69 laps. The most laps of caution that we've had has been 78. In 2021, we only had 43 cars that year. 52 in it, you need 11. In 11? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah, no, he's right. Jeremy right. is correct. Right, so this will e- this would equal. equal. How many did we have the first year in 98? Twenty-nine, which seventeen finished. Is that all? Yeah. Felt the like following year, though, there were forty-nine. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that was the big year. Yeah. That was the year that everybody said was mental. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. That, that, and that was the first year of the series, of course. Correct. Yeah, it was ninety-nine. Well, in the race, we have forty-five rookies, people who have never raced Petit Le Mans before, and fifty-three previous race winners, combining wow. for seventy-two wins. Wow. I have not yet tallied our Le Mans wins. That was the other thing I was going to do because it's petite Le Mans. Yeah, uh, and, and there's always been that big connection. Yeah. Between the 24 hours and the 10 hours here. Well, and to be perfectly honest, one of my favorite cars, and because of a driver that they have in the field, is Neil Johnny because he hasn't raced here since 2013 when he took victory for the second year in a row overall. So the fact that he's coming back, he's back with WeatherTech Racing um, as he's raced with them in WC Proton. Um, so he's back with a familiar driving lineup. All three of them, Harry Tignall and Jimmy Bernie as well, have won Petit Le Mans. So they have to be the biggest underdogs. Uh, Nick Damon is at Lexus with Jack Hawksworth. So all you have to do is start the race. Simple. Uh, well, all we have to do to, for the championships, obviously, start. So, yeah, we we obviously got to get get through these practice sessions, get through qualifying, and then uh, yeah, take the green. But obviously, then we got a long race ahead of us. So uh, we we're focused on that. But yeah, obviously, if we can uh, just have a have a really good solid weekend up to that point, then we'll put ourselves in a great position for the championship. And uh, yeah, we can go about getting after it in the race. 
So no risk through qualifying, no risk through the practices. Uh, I mean, how, how do you drive with no risk with 51 other cars on the track? Uh, well, you're always trying to drive with no risk, right? You're always trying to minimise the risk in all these races. So uh, these conditions are about the worst for that. Uh, the track's like dry in some places with with damp offline and so uh yeah this conditions are difficult 50 odd cars on the track's always tricky but uh the race for sure it's gonna be entertaining it's gonna be a lot of carnage but we feel pretty good one of the points of course of most uh, danger let's say is out the pits on cold tires how is tie warm up here the gtp seem to be struggling is it the same for the gtds tie warm up uh especially at night when the track's cold very difficult here uh the gtps in general their tire takes longer to come in in than our tyre so I can imagine for them it's really difficult um, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot worse at night once temperatures drop and uh, the UV index is down so uh, yeah that no, was going to be tricky as well always is. Now most people think the last time you were here you, you won the race because you actually took part in the iRacing uh, uh, pitching them on last, last week How, that, that didn't go quite so well did it? No not as well as last year the race uh, yeah I did it with a couple of mates and uh, yeah, had a had a good had a good laugh doing it, but yeah, I obviously need a little bit more practice because I ended up crashing. So, uh, yeah, it was good fun though. I had a good time. You don't get nightmares about turn one now, then. Well, I would do if I was playing the game, but fortunately, this is real life, and I'm usually a bit better in the real car. <laughs> always, always the best way to be. Thanks, Jack. Exactly. Cheers. You gotta love that guy. Just uh, the candidness of him. As we have four cars going side by side across the start finish line, an LMP2, an LMP3, and then two in GTD. But a couple moments ago, we had a new fastest time at the top of the charts, and it's been a car we've talked about quite a bit this session. The number six, now with Jam Jam aboard, has done a 111.720. That's the first time into the 11th so far this weekend. So introduce you to our fifth voice for this weekend. That'll be Joe Bradley, back with us at Petit Le Mans and at Michelin Road Atlanta for the first time in quite a while. Hasn't seen this new building, so he's walking around going wow a lot, in fairness. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's I've got to say it, uh, the new Michelin Tower. Uh, it's a bit of a mixed emotion, though, wasn't it? You know? Hanging on to that old tower that we first saw when we, we, we came here in 1998 for the very first inaugural Petit Le Mans. Uh, but again, I mean, what a job, what a fabulous place that is to work from. And uh, I've got to say, John, this is probably my favourite most racetrack anywhere in the world. Really? It, absolutely. You yeah. Yeah, oh, it's got to be. I mean, you know, um, we've been coming here for a lot of years now, and I've had the the, uh, the, the, the the privilege to be here for some historics as well. So I've seen some old Can-Am cars going around here and through Turn 12. A fabulous, fabulous sight. And what a track this is. Can you imagine what that was like before they put the no. 910 chicane in and no. it was flat out through the compression? No, all I've seen is some great footage. Uh, it's still available on YouTube of the of the old track. That was a very, very scary piece of racetrack. Of course, back in those days, John, uh, race drivers tended to have even less imagination than they have these days. It's very true. Jer thanks, Joe. Jeremy Shaw, you yeah, I, saw that. Could, you saw that live. I could put my hand up to that one. Uh, Do you race it? Then, in yeah, that? I, did, I did a race on the old configuration in, a, in the, uh, the old Bridgestone, Bridgestone Supercar Challenge. 88, I think it was, and uh, driving a, a Mazda RX-7 Turbo. And we were doing 150 miles an hour through the kink at the bottom of the hill, which is about 15 or 20 feet down into the ground now, flat out left-hander uh, into a very fast corner right underneath the bridge. Scary place. And that, same, that was the same year that both factory Nissans in the Camel GT race crashed 
because they lost tyres going through that uh, yes. through the left oh. through the left hand kink uh, and had massive shunts going up the, up to up the hill. My race was before that, and and the right front tyre was was uh, was bottoming out on the uh, on the on the uh, on the inside of the wheel. Yeah, <gasps> and uh, I kept on going and. Uh, <clears throat> It was only later on that the, the Nissans had the failure. There's a tunnel yeah. underneath there now, which is about at the level yeah. of, of the old track. Oh, yeah. So imagine Fantastic it going down sure. there. A couple of changes, Shane? Well, I was just watching Sebastian Bourdais, a driver who we know lacks imagination as far as being <laughs> scared of racetracks. He's, he's not. not. He's yeah. not, just period, uh, especially not at this place. But he went purple sector one, of, which is overall fastest, and then caught up to a horde of traffic just exiting sector two and into sector three. So that ultimately cost him the lap time. But he and Jack Aitken, in the other Cadillac have been exchanging fastest sector times there for a lap so both of them have turned it up to 70 yeah it is Porsche Cadillac Cadillac Acura BMW Acura Porsche BMW for GTP in the GTDs as often we see in the early sessions actually it is the 97 Bill Oberlin Turner Motorsport BMW in the bronze category this weekend. Uh, certainly not as far as Bill's concerned, but he's co-drivers. It is his birthday. It is his birthday, Today. yeah. And he's ahead of the Porsche of Ryan Hardwick, the number 16 machine in second. And then the next GT is the first of the pros. Yeah, it was Jan Halen who set the time in the number 16 Porsche. Yeah. And that was for a goodly part of the session. Uh, that number 16 car was the fastest in GTD. So time's beginning to get closer to what we might expect in full dry. And just on that 16 Porsche, I don't want to say I gave them an unfair advantage earlier, but I did give them an unfair advantage. They now have two mascots. Ah, yes. Yep. Two extra turbos yeah, on that exactly. car. Exactly. Well, not on the car, on the pit stand. Okay. Pippo Durrani's birthday today as well, isn't it? What was Yes, yes. Pippo and Bill Oberlin, both fast guys. Yeah. Scorpios, you see, October, October babies. Improvement there for Marco Vittman up to third position in number 24 BMW. So it's now Porsche, Cadillac, BMW, Cadillac, <laughs> Acura, the top five. Matthew Jaminet, uh, fastest. Jack Aitken, second fastest. Marco Vittman, third. Sebastian Bourdain and Tom Blomqvist. So a couple of little interruptions here, Jeremy. Um, one for that quite... <laughs> Large impact at Turn 1 for Chetela and the other one for uh, Performance Tech. Shit. Sorry, that, that slight laugh from me was Sebastian Bourdais taking the quickest time of the session without doing an ah. overall best sector in one or three and only a personal best in sector two. So Sebastian Bourdais has been unleashed. It, by his own admission, he didn't enjoy the first part of the season. Struggled to get used to the break by wire system in the new GTP but and again no surprises here Jeremy he's basically he stayed with it and he's worked hard and it's something new for him yeah but he's he feels a lot more comfortable with it now yeah I think so and you know it's it's even for somebody of his experience and his success uh, it, it has it was a struggle early on and uh, he was fighting to get his head around it had that crash on the uh, opening lap for the first corner at Long Beach oh yeah yeah which uh, was uh, decidedly un-Sebastian Bourdais like but you know, the, the pace is still there obviously and 
as Shay was saying, even without going purple in any of the sectors here, even personal best in any of the sectors, he goes to the top of the charts by less than half a tenth of a second from Matthew Jaminet. And that kind of summarizes their season, does it not, Jeremy? Because they're within a shout of winning the championship with only one podium, and that came at Daytona. Very good point. Yeah. But that's, you know, that... How do you win... How do you win a championship? If it, you know, League play, whether it's stick and ball sports or motorsport, you've got to be there at the end of the year. You've got to have some kind of consistency. And it's not always about winning. There's no point if you win a race and then don't finish. Win a race, then you don't finish. Get that consistency going. And, and there is, even in motor racing, I honestly believe, second half of the season, last third of the season, get that momentum, the big more. If you were going into the playoffs, you'd want to do that. And it's the same here. We've got a couple of really big opportunities for point scoring from the seal and six hours of the Glen onwards as the chequered flag flies for the first one and a half hours of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the 26th running of Moto Petit Le Mans 1998-2023. What an event this has been even from its early years, captured people's imagination. And that Cadillac time at the moment for Sebastian Baudet holds out. It is in LMP2. Oops, nearly threw everything off the table there. That would not have been good. I've only ever normally do that at Bathurst. And I point at something and send everything going. It's the CrowdStrike Racing by APR Orica that leads in LMP2. Championship contender there, of course, ahead of oh, championship contender number 52. Ahead of? Uh, championship contender. The number uh, 11, which also gets the award so for biggest pit lane penalty of the day so far. Speeding 24 kilometres over the limit, so that will be a stop in 20-second hold. Think about what you did. Should be 24-second hold. That'd be more appropriate. Has he served that, or is he going to have to serve that? He in has next? not served that. I think he'll have to have that at the beginning of the next session. In LMP3s for the final time in the championship. Uh, this championship, although they'll continue in VP next year. It's the number 30 Junior 3 racing car. Yeah, Garrett Griss set that time, a Canadian. He's been in the pits for quite a while. He's, that, that car has only done... Uh, 14 laps in this session compared to uh, most is probably 46 perhaps by the era most what LMP2 car so 46 45 for the number 35 TDS LMP2 car as well in the GTDs at the end there it was Jules Guinan in the number 79 Mercedes who went to the top not bad for a rookie here uh, the WeatherTech racing car in white with the red and blue swooshes down the side. Ahead of the two t- GTD bronze category cars, Turner Motorsports, BMW, and uh, Wright's number 16 Porsche. Why is the 97 bronze? They do not have a bronze driver. Ah. I'm confused. I mean bronze. GTD B it sits in, so that might be... Uh, we'll check that for you. Yes. They just haven't told you that... Uh, they're putting me and Ben Keating in it. Uh, oh, Thomas Merrill. Or yeah, Thomas Merrill's a bronze. No, he's though. silver. Uh, he got upgraded after his performance at Le Mans two years ago with Cooper McNeil. Oh. He's been silver all year. Pretty sure. 
We'll Which, double check on that, but maybe it's Bill because it's his birthday. They're giving him a present B, earlier. B for birthday. Bill, Bill, Bill birthday. Bill birthday. Yeah. GT birthday. Uh, and second in yes, GTD I mean, Pro is the Lamborghini Huracan. He's, he's 55 now. What's the... Silver for him for next year. It is. Is it, uh, Yep, because he is currently gold. For, for Bill Oberlin. For Bill Oberlin. Yeah, absolutely. Silver driver for hire. <sighs> hey, we can have he and Robbie Foley back in the same car again. Good point. So a couple of interruptions as we mentioned, but uh, relatively good work yeah, done Tom by Smith those. Still listed as a bronze as, on the intro list, anyhow. As uh, we went through that session, and we'll bring you full coverage across the weekend of all of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It's a busy weekend here on ninety-eight point one. Uh, Road Atlanta FM and around the world on RS2, IMSA Radio. For the moment, we'll take a breath and be back with more action from the Motul Petit Le Mans 26th edition in a little while. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.